Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. We have a really fun theme for the week, and I don't know if anyone's going to be able to guess it. It's Cybertruck. Uh, we found out a lot more since delivery day uh, from Tesla, where you know they showed us the first real Cybertrucks, the specs, not all of them. And of course, if you haven't heard the podcast about Kyle and Colton's whole trip to the delivery day in the factory and everything, please go listen to that. Um, it's one of our recent episodes. But you know, Kyle, you have learned a lot more and you're really excited to dive into the details. Yeah. Yeah. Not only have we learned more, we've also learned what people want to know more about. And so I think in general, this week, especially, we're going to go into sort of cyber truck, but on specific topics. So like today, we're talking just about the motors, the driveline and talking mm -hmm. about the strategy, what they chose, the figures, what we recommend viewers to maybe go for without being able to drive the truck yet, but at least discuss pros, cons, a little bit of pre-evaluation. And all of this should be taken with a grain of salt because we have yet to drive it. Yes, that is important for everyone to know. We don't, Kyle hasn't gotten behind the wheel of a Cybertruck yet, but more and more information has come out. You've even had uh, Drew Begolino, the SVP of Powertrain and Energy at Tesla, uh, tweet at you, which we'll talk about those later, um, about you know certain questions that you had. And like you said, there's a lot of burning questions about the Cybertruck, so we're happy to dive into them in a, in a series because they all have very different topics and aspects to the new offering that is the Cybertruck. You know, maybe we'll talk about vehicle to home, range extender, battery pack and charging. But like you said, today we're talking about that drivetrain. So where do we want to start? Tell me about the drivetrain. Is it, how is it different? How is it exciting or is it not? Yeah, well, maybe, but it is interesting. There's some interesting design choices here, most of which sound really good, but some Maybe not so much. Uh, let's start with what drivetrains Tesla's offering in the Cybertruck. There are mm -hmm. three of them. Can we pull up the website to show the, the different versions of the truck? We sure can. Okay. For the YouTube viewers, here we go. So click order now right there, Francie, if you don't mind. Just go up a little bit. Got there it you go. And now this is, yep, this is where you'll see the rear-wheel drive, the all-wheel drive, and the Cyber Beast. And so... You know, first things first with the rear wheel drive, let's just start there, uh, which is the top one and the top ones, you know, uh, available, they claim in 2025. <laughs> first of all, no one's going to want a rear wheel drive cyber truck because then it's not a truck. It's like, uh, this thing's got to be all wheel drive. So they did that just for the range number excuse me, just for the low price point. And then also right off the bat, I've seen a few reviews and people talking about that all three versions use the same battery pack, which at least in the reviews they claim is 123 kilowatt hours. I've also heard 140 something kilowatt hours. Either way, how can that have the same battery pack as the all-wheel drive when it gets 100 miles less range? 
90 miles less. There's no way. It doesn't make so sense. So that, 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 that definitely has a smaller battery pack in it because it's going to weigh less. It'll have one less motor. Like they, they don't all have the same battery. Sorry um, to whoever thinks that. So that's the first thing I just wanted to clear up. We'll do another podcast just on the battery and 4680 and some of the improvements I hope they've made. Um, but I just think the rear wheel drive. It's oof, really for that price point. It's just, it's just, I would say unlikely to happen. And if it does happen, who's going to want that anyway? Um, okay. So I think it's just going to be a single, of course, rear motor permanent magnet system. It's probably going to be the same rear motor that's in the all-wheel drive Cybertruck, uh, okay. just with the front motor removed, maybe slightly juiced up on the power, maybe slightly different gear ratio because it won't have that secondary drive uh, to help you know move the car when needed. But um, I, I think it's not worth spending any time or energy, even this whole week, on rear-wheel drive. Let's think about what's available now. Right, Kyle. And the can ones I pause that are really quick and ask you a yes. question, like about the drivetrain. When we're thinking about Cybertruck and the other, you know, the Model S, three X, and Y, are the is the drivetrain here? Are they very different from what's already offered? Uh, they're completely new and bespoke for Cybertruck, is what right. we think. It's possible they've reused some of the other motors for the all-wheel drive. At least we know for sure that the rear motor in the cyber beast, that dual motor system is not the plaid unit. That is a bespoke unit. Um, mm -hmm. It's possible they took, they have some similarities from manufacturing of the other motors in their catalog. And they've had many revisions and versions to make the all wheel drive and maybe the front motor of the cyber beast. But honestly, we're not a hundred percent sure what motors they actually are until we uh, start pulling these things apart and looking at parts numbers. Okay. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Turning to <laughs> the, uh, what's actually available, like you said, because rear, rear wheel drive says 2025. We're not so sure about that. But the all-wheel eh. drive and the Cyber Beast, more, more actual. Yeah, so let's start with the, with the all-wheel drive. I feel like this is where most people are going to go. $80,000 price point seems pretty reasonable to me. That's where most people, I think, are going to go for. It's a, the most expensive they can make it, but still qualify for the federal tax credit. And uh, that was exactly the price I thought the truck would be. I was, you know, whatever. I, I think it's pretty reasonable for what you get. Um, in terms of the motor architecture, what we're talking about in this episode is mm -hmm. what is the front rear setup in here? And the first is um, a very traditional Tesla way about going about things. They have a rear permanent magnet electric motor and a front induction motor. Now, okay. that is the same as Model S dual motor. It is the same as Model 3 and Model Y all-wheel drive. That's how Tesla does motors. And many other car companies do this as well. And the reason it's good to have a permanent magnet motor, I think, on your primary axle, which in this case is going to be a rear-biased system, and a induction motor on your front, or in this case, secondary axle, uh, the reason that's great is because an induction motor can be shut off without flux-related losses. And I, I'm going to explain what all this means in a moment. Um, but essentially, a permanent magnet motor on the rear axle means you get great power off the line, huge hit. Induction motors require electricity to be induced into the system to create a magnetic field, which then rotates a motor. A permanent magnet literally has the magnets on the rotor. Anytime it's spinning a little bit, it has a magnetic field. So it can just mm. boom off the line, get a big hit and you can rock and roll. Also, the permanent magnet motor is more efficient while cruising than an induction machine. And so when you're cruising down the highway in the dual motor all-wheel drive Cybertruck, it's pretty much going to be rear-wheel drive all the time. Volkswagen ID4 works this way and plenty others. It's basically going to be rear-wheel drive until it needs the help of that front motor to just add power. And because it's an induction motor, it's physically connected, it's just going to be available instantly. You might hear a little bit of inverter whine as it kicks on and starts to work. Um, not unlike most Teslas. Actually, when I was watching the 
Harwow drag races of this versus Hummer EV. Um, you could really hear the motors on the Cybertruck, and they sound incredibly good. They sound awesome. So I'm sure you'll be able to hear it when you lay into it, the front motor spin up, but it should be relatively silent when you're just cruising in the rear motor. Now, um, an induction motor basically can freewheel or spin without flux-related losses. And what that means is uh, because there are no magnets on the rotor, it, A, is cheaper to build. It's going to last longer because induction motors just run forever. Um, they're slightly larger typically in terms of design, but Cybertruck, there's a ton of room. And it honestly seemed pretty small, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. And what else should I say about induction motors? Um, yeah, they, they have less um, ac active losses, I should say, or passive losses, I think would be the way to describe it. And uh, basically, you can shut them off and they don't create a magnetic field. It just runs. Now, mm -hmm. many cars like Ionic 5 and EV6 uh, have something called a clutch disconnect uh, to reduce the losses of having a dual motor system. The reason that this does not need a clutch disconnect, also the Tesla Semi has a clutch disconnect. The reason this does not need a clutch disconnect is because it runs, of course, the permanent magnet on the rear, but then the induction on the front, which can freewheel. If it had two permanent magnet motors, there's something called back EMF or uh, flux losses or, or back electromotive forces. And essentially those forces of the motor by not being able to shut them off create drag and it could be one or two kilowatts of drag uh, and you actually sometimes need to apply a little bit of current to a permanent magnet motor to get it to spin freely and actually i noticed i was just driving my rivian and i put it in neutral coming off the highway just to try it and i could feel the motors kind of catch it a little bit and it was that mm. not controlling the permanent magnet back emf properly and it was getting a little mm. bit you know of, of some internal friction there uh, or I should say electrical friction. So um, that is why there are no clutch, clutch disconnects on any Cybertruck. It is because there's an induction motor on the front, a permanent magnet on the rear. It's the correct drivetrain choice. It's how I would do it. And um, it means that this thing is going to feel supernatural. Um, it's going to give you the power on the rear axle that you want. The front is there for assistance. And that's none of this is even the best part about the dual motor all-wheel drive. The dual-motor all-wheel drive Cybertruck may be the best one off-road, just a prediction, because it comes with a front and rear mechanical differential lock. This is what Drew confirmed to me on Twitter, as well as some other charging 400, 800-volt stuff. We'll get into that later. But um, essentially, this has a diff locker for the front and rear. Now, for those of you who don't understand what a diff lock is or what it does, um, essentially, you when you have an open differential uh, in a system, and there's a ton of great videos on YouTube that can visualize this, as you apply power to that differential, it's going to, assuming all wheels have equal grip, it's going to basically power both of those wheels through an open differential. And it allows you to turn and maneuver the vehicle uh, and have different wheel speeds, uh, you know, cross car left and right. When you have a differential that is locked and connected, what it means is that both wheels have to turn at the exact same speed. That's not very practical for driving around parking lots or corners, but it is extremely practical when off-roading. See, the thing is, mm. with an open differential, uh, the power is going to go to the wheel that's easiest to spin. If one gets locked up, well, it still has a way to transfer the power out. And so the wheel without traction is just going to spin to a million. And there's no way to get the traction over to that wheel that you really need it to so you can get up and over an obstacle. And there's mm. two main ways of doing a, well, let's say three main ways of doing a uh, torque distribution in a open or in a, uh, you know, situation like this. The first is, and what, what Tesla has done up to this point and what pretty much every car maker does, uh, is they actually use the physical brakes of the vehicle to simulate a locking differential. And, mm. The theory is you have an open differential, power spinning. The front right wheel in this case is just spinning to a million. And the one that you actually need the power to is just sitting there unused. If you create extra force on the wheel that 
that's spinning so hard that it's actually now harder to turn the wheel that's freewheeling. The power is going to go to the wheel that's easiest to turn. And hopefully that's the one that's stuck and you can work your way up over an obstacle. And cool. this is okay. Uh, in most situations, this is not anything new technology. This is what traction control or stability control has done forever. And if you just try driving in the snow, you can watch it flash and you can even feel it sometimes through the steering. Um, you can hear the ABS pump going, all these little things to make it happen. And that works fine for like a street car that occasionally sees um, what's called a split mu situation. So you have a different level of friction on the you know each side of the car and it has to transfer the power um, laterally across the vehicle. The braking situation is fine, uh, but it is not ideal. It does heat up the brakes. It puts stress on the system. It's it's actually from a driver. How big it is. Road. Um, it's uh, not. It's not really predictable because you're relying on systems that aren't that are constantly changing and trying to adapt. So you can get into some weird situations. The second way that you can control cross car split mu situation would be um, with a limited slip differential and a limited slip differential typically would be used for a performance application, but it allows some wheel spin to build up where then the differential actually will start to bring in some force to get close to a locking situation. And some of them even have an infinitely variable limited slip diff that can go from zero to 100% lock. Some can only go 70% of torque, whatever that would be. And then that can help transfer power and you can go up mechanically in the differential. What the Cybertruck has, which I'm super into, is a complete diff locking system. And again, I'm not sure if this, it's electromechanically controlled, which makes me think there's going to be a ka-chunk or there's going to be a setting when you go into off-road that will unlock and lock the diffs based on the terrain. Um, like Range Rovers have diffs that work that aren't necessarily manually selectable, but do go from full lock to full open. And it's pretty smooth. I don't actually know how they would, if you have a wheel spinning, how it would lock the diff without creating a abuse load or a shock load to the system. Perhaps it does it before any slip happens. I'm not sure. Um, that would be interesting to test out. These are all the things we'll try in the hill climb challenge. But what mm -hmm. the Cybertruck will do is either you or the system, I'm not sure how the, it, it's all integrated, will send a command. I know there are off-road modes to that differential lock to say, boom, lock. Now, even if your front right wheel is all the way up in the air and it can spin easily, it's now mechanically connected to that wheel that's stuck on the ground that you need to get up and over the obstacle. And when you apply power, you're getting all of the power sent to that wheel, essentially, that's stuck on the ground. You've now forced them together. And what that means is you can climb amazing obstacles with split mu situations. You have complete confidence and control as the driver because you, as you apply power, instantly you know that every wheel is getting power sent to it you don't have to put your power in and then wait and give it a lot of juice to say hey i'm gonna sit here for two or three seconds while the systems figure out what to do and how to mm -hmm. grab the brakes here and how much and there's just so much less lag time so much less hustle or i should say fuss and things going on that a physical diff lock is the way forwards so what's cool is the dual motor truck, after this explanation, has two diff lockers, front and rear. Um, the, hum the F-150 Lightning only has a rear diff lock, as an example. And the Rivian dual motor system has zero diff locks. Rivian relies on that brake uh, torque vectoring situation. Okay, so that's the dual motor. And that's why I'm so excited about it. And that's why I think it's actually going to be awesome off-road assuming it gets the same suspension as the cyber beast mm -hmm. and like just so into the dual locker situation so into that rear permanent magnet front induction system this is the correct choice tesla's drivetrain has always been top-notch great quality and and here they're just proving okay at least it seems like it's set up for success we have to test it we have to try it definitely Seems great. They're also, look, you know, it, while we're on the topic of motors, they have oil filters on them. So I'm assuming they're completely oil cooled mm -hmm. and they have a uh, water glycol oil chiller within the, uh, or I should say a, a heat exchanger that comes from the chiller on the high voltage loop inside the motor. And they're, they look pretty nice. Um, 
they're chunky. Looks like it can handle some abuse loads. Casing looks good. Um, not sure if the filter's lifetime or not. Probably, although typically when you're doing some crazy things, there might be an accelerated maintenance schedule you could put the vehicle on. Although Tesla stuff usually just doesn't need anything. Most Model 3 owners exchange the uh, the coolant and the, the oil in their vehicles every 100,000 miles or something like that. But it's not needed. Okay. Very cool. I mean, it's also really fun listening to you uh, explain all of this um, in depth. And it, it, it does, I think you're really good also at communicating, yeah, how this certain drivetrain will make this the, tr- you know, because they said it's more truck than a truck. So would you say that this kind of drivetrain is kind of what they're pointing to there, where it's like it, it it's given the power and the dynamic pairing of these that will give it that kind of utility compared to what else is on the market. When you say that it's going to be the best truck, um, like for off-roading, you're comparing it to the Lightning, the Rivian, the Hummer EV? Well, that would be in the electric category, sure. I'm not yes. sure what, what Tesla's like main category is here because like, you know, if, if you want to be more truck than truck, like there's heavy duty trucks, there's F two fifty, F three fifty, F four fifty, twenty five hundreds to forty five hundreds. Like, and they did compare it to a diesel in the delivery day of it. Yeah, I don't really like any of that. That was not a good, whatever. Um, <laughs> those are not really meant for off road. This seems like it's pretty actually set up nicely for off road. And maybe we'll do a whole podcast on the comparisons to other trucks. I think that can mm-hmm. make a good episode. So hopefully, everyone will leave in the comments what they want us to talk about. Right, but. I think it's interesting there because you do mention, well, the, those what I listed were EV trucks. But I guess you could be considering this as your truck in general. And so you could compare it against other ICE trucks on the market? Well, yeah, like there's a, a you know, I, I draw, I'm in my Rivian right now. There's a lot of considerations. And I do a ton of off-roading with this truck that like when I go out in a Raptor, that's built for a completely different type of off-roading mm-hmm. um, versus like when I go out in my Range Rover, which is actually a lot closer to my Rivian in terms of capabilities. Um, so like, yeah, these are all different things. But but essentially the dual motor, you know, just to keep it on the Cybertruck topic, the dual motor Cybertruck just seems to be set up great for trails mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Okay, so that's the one I think most people are going to go for. It's the one I feel most comfortable with that like Tesla's going to get totally right because they're they're not inventing anything new here. Differential locks have been around forever. Uh, their their motor technology's been around forever and that's all good. Okay. The Cyber Beast, you're spending an extra 20 grand now and you're getting significantly more power, 250 horsepower or so more power, significantly more torque, although I don't really like the way that Tesla rates their torque numbers. Maybe we'll put it on a dyno and get our own numbers. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I actually just had a meeting with the Mustang dyno guys, uh, to do some, uh, like range testing and thermal performance testing and some other stuff. So I don't know, maybe dyno and, and, you know, rolling road tests coming to a YouTube channel sooner than you think we'll see. Um, you know, the numbers here are crazy. 2.6 seconds, zero to 60 just seems incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. And listening to Jason Camisa's podcast, as well as his uh, fantastic icons episode on Haggerty, uh, sounds like this thing just ripped 2.6 seconds on VHT prep, which is really sticky stuff um, mm-hmm. that they were running on their drag strip and on the pavement. Now, I watched the car wow drag race of the cyber truck and they were getting wheel spin off the line. But Jason was saying that he was not, and that could just be down to Kawa was doing it like at the factory with a dusty mm-hmm. surface. They were still wiping the floor of the Hummer EV, which has a thousand horsepower, but weighs significantly more. Right. And also Hummer EV, um, I noticed in Jason Camisa's video, didn't look like it was in WTF mode during the launch, which really mm-hmm. lowers it. But CarWow had it in WTF mode, okay. um, which is what really the make the difference. It really does. The, the car won't give you full power unless you're in WTF because Hummer EV does um, power limitation by half shaft extension. So as the front of it stands up because it's so heavy and so much power, it actually has to reduce the power on the front motor so it doesn't destroy the half shafts. Like a lot of Tesla owners will know like early model S and even model X's especially would vibrate when you would do a launch. And, um, that was basically because the half shafts were at full extension and they were vibrating. And so Hummer, well, GM engineering said, okay, we can't work around that. So as the suspension lifts, they basically shut off the front motor becomes rear wheel drive. Um, I showed that in my Hummer EV driving review, which no one watched. 
But uh, <laughs> these are the stuff that I talk about. There was like an hour-long nerd fest of Hummer EV and no one cared. <laughs> Um, it just shows how little interest there is on that vehicle from our audience. Yeah. Um, okay, back to the Cyber Beast. Cyber Beast. Now we have a completely different drivetrain setup than the dual motor. In the Cyber Beast, we have a front permanent magnet electric machine, unlike the dual motor, which has an induction motor up front. Mm-hmm. So pretty crazy, pretty interesting. Also, diff lock which is great. Mm-hmm. But then the rear of the cyber beast, that dual motor system is actually mm-hmm. induction. So now your primary and secondary axle in terms of cruising have mm-hmm. shifted positions. Interesting. So the cyber beast is going to be front wheel drive most mm-hmm. of the time for a better active efficiency, cruising down the highway and then keeping the rear motors off. And then when you need the big power hit or you need some sort of torque vectoring or, you know, whatever, now you got two, induction motors in the rear of the cyber beast pushing you along. This was the biggest shock to me about the whole thing. Why they chose to do this, I'm not sure. Because if you look at Model S Plaid, Mm -hmm. uh, as an example, Model S Plaid is a dual permanent magnet rear system. And so, um, you know, I thought they were going to put a Model S Plaid motor in the back of this thing, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe beef it up for higher abuse loads and whatever the truck needs to handle. No question mm-hmm. the motors are capable enough. And then maybe do an induction front motor or even a clutch disconnect on the front um, because, you know, in like a Model S, they have three permanent magnet motors, but no clutch disconnect. So they have, they Tesla controls back EMF really nicely, but there is some losses um, and some, uh, you know, downsides from arranging the drivetrain that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Tesla Semi, they chose to go with a clutch disconnect for the secondary permanent magnet system. So I thought that was all going to trickle down to the Cybertruck, but it didn't. They engineered an entirely new, huge, beefy induction motor system. And the thing is, it makes significantly less power than the Model S Plaid drivetrain does. So, you know, like, I think they could have easily made this thing a thousand horsepower and they still may software update it one day and just like, whoop, dial it up to 12, say, sorry, we fat fingered it. it actually makes a lot more power. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I actually think it may make a lot more power because it's wiping the floor of the Rivian and wiping the floor of the Hummer EV, both vehicles with, uh, well, Hummer uh, Rivian makes 10 less horsepower and the Hummer EV makes significantly more. But Tesla's traction control is always amazing. Tesla does traction control in terms of wheel slip in motor. I did a whole Twitter thread on this once. Maybe I should do a video. But um, basically, rather than waiting for the communication times of saying my wheel is slipping, I got to go to the ESP controller across CAN uh, and then wait for that to send a signal. And there's other versions of communication in the vehicle. There's Ethernet, there's LIN bus, there's a whole bunch of others. I'm not sure what they communicate on. But either way, there's a lag time from wheel slip to signal gets sent to the controller controller says let me evaluate what we should do let's reduce power or grab a break and then sends it back to the motor and uh what tesla does is they actually turned their wheel slip configuration uh, or i should say uh, control their their lateral acceleration wheel slip control in the um in the motor itself so there's no lag time it's instant and that means that the launch performance of the plaid is incredible uh, there's a couple other automakers that have just started doing this as well. But as far as I'm aware, Model 3 was the first car to get it. And it came through an over-the-air software update and instantly made all the difference in the world. This is how Tesla can measure tire depth mm-hmm. through, um, uh, like, as your tires start to age over time. Like, it's incredible, these little engineering things that they are doing to push the industry forwards. And so in-motor traction control just means unbelievable wheel slip control. I don't even know why I got on that topic, but it just, I love that about like Model 3, you'll you'll notice it cut power back, but it won't flash traction control light because it hasn't woken up the ESP controller. Um, okay. My truck was faulted while charging while we're recording this podcast. Oh no, okay. <laughs> it does this quite often at 90%, but I actually need a 100% charge while towing. Yeah, you can see I got my little commuter cars back here. Yeah, if you can Uh, see. Kyle's actually calling in from the road as we take a brief cyber cyber truck uh, pause. Yeah, so my Rivian, this is why I need a cyber truck. Charging station error. Oh, no. Charging (laughs) station error. This is happening 
all the time up at 90%. I don't know why. And it takes it a few very, times yeah. for it to juice back up. Over 90%, um, huh? But uh, so we will also talk about your road trip because Kyle road tripped out in um, a U-Haul, you know, a gas powered vehicle uh, towing a trailer empty. And now he is towing back two commuter cars in the Rivian. And it is, I will never road trip my Rivian with a trailer ever again. Kyle is, this is the worst, everyone, the worst experience. A cyber truck probably would be better because of thermal management, but um, mm -hmm. okay. Back to the three motor system. Induction dual motor in the rear, non-mechanically linked, which means that you have complete control cross car uh, through software rather than a mechanical differential now of how much power each wheel can get. And um, up front, it has that mechanical locker, which is going to help a ton. And I'll explain why in an off-road scenario here in a moment, as I'm just, just authorizing my charging session. Right. Uh, it won't let me activate the charger now. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Retry. This is, this is how um, I also Kyle can't works. use my app to activate the charger because my phone's phone motherboard, my phone doesn't work and no one else can act. I can't call EA to activate it because my phone doesn't work. And um, yeah, it looks like the, the card terminal is no longer working. It's giving me processing error. Oh, the card terminal. Yeah, the credit card terminal. Would you like me uh, to call Electrify America for you? Uh, and no, I'm going to try a tap. All right, tap tap to start. Yeah, tap tap works. That's how I had to do it before. This oh, is no. a live example. It says Hold try on. another card. This is the card I just used. Try another card. Where are you? You're at an Electrify America station. What part of the country? You're in Kansas. Oh, I tried another card. It worked. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> you just got to mix it up. Okay. <sighs> I love public charging so much. We okay, let's get back to business. Stop interrupting back to business, us. Back, back to the cyber beast all-wheel drive. So, <laughs> I mean, f can I ask a question off the bat? So they went from one, you know, the um, they basically switched up the drivetrain. They just flipped it, right? Yep. So uh, induction front and permanent mm -hmm. magnet rear in the dual motor, and then permanent magnet front induction rear in the tri-motor. Ultimately, to the end user, the driver, it doesn't matter. Okay. But so, it's great to have both for efficiency. So in terms of when I'm comparing all-wheel drive ver versus Cyber Beast, this, this gets me one of the specs, this change, but it's not necessarily maybe what would pull me between one or the other if I had yeah. all the money to spend. Yeah, so I I don't know because the thing with the Cyber Beast that has me worried is it's a beast. So Tesla's tri-motor drivetrain control has been getting better through software over time. I own a Model S Plaid with the two individual motors in the back. And mm -hmm. to set the stage, um, both Hummer EV and Rivian have individual motors in the rear. The Rivian has four individual motors. My truck is a quad motor truck. And when I go off-roading, in theory, it seems like the perfect setup to have individual motor control because what can happen is as I get into these split mu situations, as a wheel starts to get, you know, up in the air and I need power on the other side, I don't have to wait for mechanical lockers. I don't need to tell the software anything. The truck in theory should be able just to instantly and dynamically apply power to any given wheel exactly. in the situation. The problem is you have to wait for software to figure out what the heck it's doing. And so what that means is as I come up and a wheel gets in the air, right? That wheel starts spinning. The truck says, oh, great. Okay. I know that one's spinning. So I'm going to not apply power there, but I don't know how much power to apply to this one. Are you in front of a rock, which is very mm -hmm. common in Colorado, mm -hmm. or are you going downhill? And is how much am I supposed to give it? And it gets very confused and it's very mm -hmm. sensitive in those situations. And so what ends up happening is I have to go wide open throttle in my Rivian sometimes to the floor and just say, give me everything you got everywhere. So mm -hmm. I can just kind of roll this thing up some hills because um, if I don't, the truck will actually stop and then it can't get moving again <sighs> because I only have 20 in the case of what happens a lot. I only have one wheel that has traction, let's just say. That mm -hmm. means only 25% of my total power output 
can go to moving the truck. And I got to get it up over a one foot rock wall to crawl as an example. And so uh, there's something called stall torque where the Rivian really suffers, which is getting an electric motor from zero to one RPM, one to two RPM. When it starts to move, that's fine. Every those things got all the power in the world, but zero to one is really tough. And all I want in my Rivian is a locking differential. So I could take the power of both of my front motors or both of my rear motors, lock them and say, okay, now I got the power of two stall torques from zero to one RPM to work and get up. And I end up getting my truck stuck quite often. And if anyone's curious about that, I did a whole video review of it when I reviewed the dual motor Rivian R1T. I had the Rivian powertrain engineering team with me and I was showing them all of this and they're like, oh yeah, okay, this is, we see what you're talking about. That was a fun one. And my truck is faulted again. <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay, well, I'll finish up this segment so we don't get too interrupted. Um, the thing is, on the Cybertruck, you're going to have a mechanical locking diff in the front, which is a permanent magnet motor. So that's going to do all the pulling power. You're going to get great stuff to pull the front of the truck up and over an obstacle. That is by far the correct choice. Uh, and to me, mm-hmm. just is like magic. Then it all comes down to how are they handling the rear axle of the truck? Okay. Uh, in fact, the Cyber Beast drivetrain layout is pretty much identical to the Hummer EVs. The Hummer EV uses all induction motors, I think, actually. Um, however, it is a mechanical locker on the front and then uh, a virtual locker on the rear in the Hummer EV. And uh, it doesn't work in the Hummer EV. I did a whole off-road video of that as well. Uh, I have this sort of slip angle test, or I should say like, uh, you put one wheel in the air and you try and climb an object and you see how well the software does to say, okay, I got one rear wheel spinning as I'm fully flexed. The other, you know, rear left wheel is buried in the wheel well with all the weight on it. And that's the one that just needs the juice and get me up over the obstacle. Mm -hmm. And the Hummer EV, I just sat there at wide open throttle, digging a crater to the center of the earth. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't even spin that yeah. uh, wheel that was in the in the uh, wheel well, and I had Hummer EV has a virtual rear locker button <laughs> that like shows okay lock the rear wheels doesn't do anything. And again, that's early software, but it was a production truck. It was a test truck that we had, and that's what we went by. What mm-hmm. Tesla is really going to have to work on in this is to simulate the effects of. Uh, a locking differential, or at least to apply power to the correct wheels when needed. And I think that's going to be a tall order for them to dial in because the Model S Plaid tuning, that's why I was talking about Model S Plaid, required many software updates, many months, and actually a couple years for them to really dial in that rear motor's torque vectoring capabilities. Man. Okay, how cool. So when you... I mean, but that's just from an off-road perspective. We can talk about on-road performance as well. I mean, yeah, because I think a lot, you know, you might hope that you take this truck out and do off-roading, but if you're just going to have it for fun, you might only go off-roading a couple times a year. How does this all weigh into your decision-making? Yeah, so there's more benefits to having individual rear motors on the rear of the car than just off-road. For example, mm-hmm. my Polestar 1, my little two-door plug-in hybrid Polestar, uh, that has two motors on the rear axle, non-mechanically linked. I guess, yeah, the the um, uh, the Plaid, my Model S Plaid, also is the same. The thing is, Polestar went crazy with the tuning, and it's amazing. That's the car I try to like get people to drive to understand the benefits of torque vectoring. Hmm. What you can do with a torque vectoring system, there's two ways to do Torque vectoring. And what is even torque vectoring? Torque vectoring is just a blanket term to say you're shifting your drive power to different wheels. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the sense of when we say torque vectoring, it typically means that you are overdriving the outside tire uh, to help turn the car into a corner. And in some extreme cases, there's only very few systems that can do this. You can actually overdrive the outside and regen the inside. And what that does is it helps turn the car into a corner and give it this sort of unnatural ability to turn. Because in a traditional driveline setup with two motors, open differentials while cruising, the only way you're able to turn, 
Now, I know the Cybertruck has rear steer, but let's just ignore that for a second. The only way you're able to turn traditionally is just with the front wheels turning. And then the back wheels are along for the ride, right? They're just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, and there's there's a response time to when they actually, you know, sort of flop over and dig in. And we can, mm-hmm. we can nerd out on chassis dynamics. But essentially, everyone understands front wheels turn. The rear wheels are not helping in that situation. They're just there for the ride. Mm-hmm. In a torque vectoring system, as I turn to the right, I can actually then push the back left tire to help dig the front end even more. And I can even pull from the back rear, the right rear. You could do that through braking. A lot of cars do brake-based torque vectoring as well, uh, drag vectoring. And um, you know that can really change the dynamics of the car. So not only, two, two benefits. One, you can turn sharper, quicker. Mm-hmm. And B, you can turn sharper, f- well, faster. I guess both mean the same thing. I don't know why... Well, I said two things. One thing is and faster. What what I'm really trying to say is you can actually maximize your available contact patch on all four tires to turn the car. Mm -hmm. It's no longer the job of just the front wheel to turn the car. You can now utilize those rear tires to actually help push the car one way or another. And it's a magical feeling. And that is something the cyber beast will at least have the physical capability of doing whether or not they'll tune it to have you know on power torque vectoring or regen torque vectoring i'm not sure i actually did yeah i did another whole video on powertrain control and what it can do for vehicle dynamics with our out of spec reviews channel sponsor magna who are Mm -hmm. like you know a tier one supplier for many companies they're incredibly uh, they have some incredible smart engineers, but I did it with my friend Simon, who's like their powertrain guy. He mm-hmm. built this like $2 million Jaguar I-Pace with all bespoke, you know, components, engineers, wet dream, basically. It was just cool. crazy. And he and I had a test track to ourselves in Austria, and we were doing brake-based torque vectoring and power-based torque vectoring through their systems, and it's wild. So the two ways to do torque vectoring, back to my main point, would be through a mechanical system. Magna also makes, this is not sponsored by Magna. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. They make a mechanical torque vectoring diff that's in the back of like Audi RS3 or Golf R. And those vehicles will mechanically overdrive the outside wheel when turning. Mm -hmm. And the tuning of how much the dual clutches of that system start to overdrive or underdrive the wheel changes the vibe of the car. So there's different drive modes to change the aggressiveness. There's a drift feature in those, which Mm -hmm. is cool. In an electric car, you can have a I'm trying to think if the Lotus Electra has a mechanical torque vectoring rear axle with a, one single electric motor. It might. It also has a two speed, um, which is dumb and not good. But anyway, um, you can do that with an electric car, or you can just put two motors on the back and just have them control through software. The problem, the only main problem with doing it with electric motors with two motors in the back is you're, you you can never apply your total system power of that rear motor unit to one wheel. You can only ever give one wheel half. And the mm. problem with the Rivian in that case is I got over 400 horsepower on that rear axle. I cannot drift this truck on throttle on pavement no. because I only have 200 horsepower going to one wheel at a time. And if I get stuck off-road, I only have 200 horsepower to get me up and over an obstacle and the truck weighs 7,500 pounds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's my main issue with electric motors. When you're cruising, as you go partial throttle, as you start to feel it move around, magic. My Polestar 1 makes almost no power from those little electric motors in the back, but it completely transforms the driving experience. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if I want to slide my Polestar, if I want to do anything beyond you know, just a normal cruise, which I think people are going to want to do crazy stuff in their Cybertrucks, like pictured here. Um, yes. you, you're limited to the amount of power you can transfer to that outside wheel. And that, um, at least in the case of the Rivian, with very poor drivetrain thermals, spikes heat into the inverter, overheats, and even on dirt, you get a couple seconds of drifting fun uh, consistently, and then it goes, ah, you've overheated your internal mode, and wait for it to cool down. So there's pros and cons. So basically, yes. my my what I'm trying to, because uh, we'll end this here pretty quick, but what I'm trying to say is the all-wheel drive is a proven traditional way to get great performance with predictable power application in most any scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think Tesla, that is just going to drive naturally. It's going to drive cool. And I have no concerns or no you know, predicted concerns about the dual motor. The tri-motor, when we start pushing the trucks, when we get into our testing, when we get into, you know, track performance and off-road performance and pushing the vehicle beyond 
you know, what most people would do. Mm-hmm. That's when typically the individual rear motor systems just fall apart. I think Tesla probably is the only company who has the, not even the expertise, not even the the ability, but really the the engineers who care enough to make it work. Because I was talking to some of the powertrain guys and they're just like, we know what you're going to do with it. We get it. It's going to be freaking incredible. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, most people, most companies design their systems for the 99% or 95% use mm-hmm. case. And then they kind of fall apart on the outside. Then you have mm-hmm. companies like Porsche who build a GT3 RS that's like way too insane to drive on the street, but incredible on the track, right? They just go all the way. And it sounds like Tesla went all the way for maximum performance with this three motor system is what they tell me. We're going to mm-hmm. test it. We're My hopes are it. high. Um, but I think that the tri-motor has the opportunity to be a letdown just because mm-hmm. of all of these driveline controls and logic. And a lot of it can be solved through software. And a lot of it is down to mechanical limitations of just how much power one motor can output. And then I think the dual motor is going to be awesome with the locking diffs front and rear. I, I have no issues with that one. So that's the Tesla Cybertruck motors and my thought process to the driveline yeah. controls just by so, looking at the specs. I haven't driven them yet, but I could probably talk for three hours after I drive one about how they I know. do. I, I can't wait for you to get a hold of one. And have you had any leads on that yet? No, we've had so many people reach out with like first day reservations. There's a guy in Colorado, super cool. Who's like, I have a dual motor truck that I reserved day one and you can buy it. And I'm like, great. I don't care if we have to buy it or borrow it or rent it or whatever. We just need to get a truck as soon as possible because, um, you know, it's going to be, we need it for two weeks to do everything with it. And, you know, we, we have endless content to talk about without even driving it. So a lot of predictions. We do. I mean, lots of prep that you're able to do so that when you get behind the wheel, you can really like know what you're getting into, which is nothing unusual for you. But so it seems like for these drivetrains, for the all wheel drive, you're like, yeah, sounds amazing. For the cyber beast, you're like, cool. We got to see really how this plays out. Because like you said, there's potential for it to be awesome. But we really don't know until you're behind the wheel, I guess, and pushing it to these edge cases that... It, you know, maybe not everyone might do, but yeah, Tesla's proven the 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 lateral acceleration part of the three motor system. It's fast as hell. It's gonna be fast. great. No, That's no, cool. No. That's easy. What what matters in a the reason you go with a dual motor system on the rear axle mm-hmm. is to change the dynamics of the car and give it this magical character that can do things far beyond just a front steering system. Now, of course, you pair that rear motor control with a rear axle steer. Um, and we need to talk about all this in a future episode because mm-hmm. everyone's saying 10 degrees of rear axle steel steer, but both Colton and I were like, this looks like five and it's actually mm-hmm. three. They have to have a software update to get up to 10. Oh, so that's not 10 right now, but okay. it will be interesting. But that's yeah. why we were Colton and I were like, there's no way that was 10 degrees of rear steer on all those cyber trucks. And it wasn't, uh, it was, it was three is what, the, what I've heard. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, I mean, for all-wheel drive, if you have a reservation, that's probably what you're going to go for until Kyle can prove whether the Cyber Beast is work it, worth it. Yeah, I, I think we need to get a Cyber Beast. That's what I'm most interested in. I want to buy one uh, because I want to see that software improvement over time. And there's mm-hmm. a lot more to talk about with the three-motor system. But if you just want a truck that's going to do, like, everything you need it to do and just be reliable off-road and consistent and, you know, sort of just a little bit, I think, less of a hassle... Mm-hmm. If you care about these types of things, I think mm-hmm. the dual motor is the, the choice right there. Very cool. Okay, so drivetrain without driving it, covered. What what do you think will be our next topic that you're most excited about? I mean, we'll see what y'all want to hear about too, but Kyle. Yeah, I don't know what's next. Ugh. I'm going to try and get my Rivian truck charging charge again. Charge again at least. Nice, yes. you know, reliable, reliable charging. I can't wait for that. Yeah, we're... We'll drop that topic for a little bit to cover Cyber cyber Beast, Cyber Truck, but we will soon be back on the public charging infrastructure, which never ceases to be a topic of conversation. But yeah, so we hope to host a lot of, you know, conversations about the Cyber Truck this week. Instead of Shark Week, it is Cyber Truck Week on the Out of Spec channel. Please let us know your questions, um, whether it's on Twitter or in the comments below, because there are tons of questions to be asked. Kyle probably has done research on them and we can dive into the details. But yeah, thanks, Kyle, from your road well, trip calling into the podcast. Should, 
yeah, thank you. We should also say a huge thank you to the reviewers who really, I think, yes. for traditional automotive media and tech media from Marquez's standpoint, did an incredible job taking the time to learn and understand and use the resources that they had to review the Cybertruck in the short period that they had very well. These are not long, in-depth tests. You may not even be able to consider them reviews, but they provided so much information. Yeah. those three outlets. And, um, that is very unusual because normally we're the nerds doing this stuff. And yeah. I'm just so happy to see the rest of the industry kind of catch up and understand what's important to review in an electric car. Um, I honestly couldn't have been more thrilled with, uh, with the early reviews. I thought Jason did a great job. Um, and I thought, you know, Marquez covered the tech great. And of course, um, Top Gear did a pretty good job of, uh, you know, just a, just an overall use case of the truck and great interviews. Yeah. So props to those guys. Yeah. Big, big props to those lucky folks who got the Cybertruck and got to take it for a spin. And we're waiting so patiently, impatiently. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. It happens. But yeah, thanks for everyone. We're still tiny. Um, we're still tiny and we'll get a hold of a Cybertruck when it's our time. But it may not be right at this moment. Kyle has to get back to Colorado probably in the first place, unless he leaves those commuter cars along the way somewhere. You know, I think Flies if I just walk, I'd make it there faster than towing with my Rivian. Oh, my gosh. Poor <laughs> Kyle. Nah, you, you'll make it. You just might have to stop over a little bit in Kansas along your way. But thanks, Kyle, again for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for tagging along with Out of Spec Podcast. If you're enjoying it, let us know exactly what you're enjoying. Of course, ask your questions, like, and subscribe, and we will see you next time on the Out of Spec Podcast. See ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.